0: So how many of y'all enjoyed school? Or maybe some of you that are, that are in school now, how many of y'all like school? Okay, the teenager, teenagers are, are like, no. So well, if, you, if you remotely liked it or currently do like it, what, what's your favorite part? Okay, I, I was one of the weirdos and a few, few of the others in here who, I liked it. Some people like the fact that all your friends are there. You know the social aspect of it, and that's probably the best part. Some of you like it because of the classes. That was my favorite part. I'm a nerd. Some of y'all like it, liked it because of the sports. See some heads going out there. The, the rolls, the pizza. No, I'm kidding. That stuff's nasty. Little square pizza with the hamburger meat. It's, it's horrible. How many of y'all like school because of a girlfriend or a boyfriend that was there? No? Come on, y'all. No? Okay. So I was listening to, uh, to Russell Moore. He's a, one of our denominational leaders, and he was, he was telling a story about his school days. And uh, he actually was telling about his least favorite part, and I think a lot of us can probably resonate with this. His least favorite part was report card day. He hated taking that report card and bringing it home. And, and he was saying, like, he was always so nervous about it. And he was so driven in life to succeed. I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant man. I mean, he's very smart, very sharp. And uh, he w- was just driven to succeed. And then he, he told years later, the reason he was driven to succeed in school was because of the day he had to take his report card home to mom and dad because for him it wasn't just let me show you the grades I made but for him it was do I make you proud or maybe another way here's my grades here's what I did what do you think what do you think you know I think I think there's a lot of us that can resonate with that a little bit or maybe maybe not on our actual education but when it comes to God I think we can resonate with that quite a bit because a lot of times we carry that report card view of God into our view of God in other words we just like him feel like it's constantly report card day we feel like it's constantly God here's my report card here's here's what I've done is it enough? Or, or we say, Lord, do I make you proud? Lord, here, here's my report card. You know, uh, you're probably not that happy with me right now because I've, I've, got, I've got some failures on there. And, and what that is, church, is, is that is performance-driven Christianity. When we we come to God, and and if we're honest with ourselves, we say, Well, here's my report card. Well, if we're we're honest, what's on the report card is not that great. We're weak. We we come before God with horrible grades. We come before God as complete failures. We come before God saying, Lord, I, I feel so unworthy to serve you. Lord, I feel so unworthy to be called one of your children. You know, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3 is writing to a group of Christians that's doing something very similar. This group of Christians are redefining Christianity. They're redefining the good news of Jesus, the Gospel, to be performance-driven. And so here's what, here's what they were doing. They were saying, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you know, you, you get in the door through trust, through faith in Christ. But they were saying... After you get through the door, you actually need to keep the law. And if you don't keep the law, then you're really not a Christian. And for them, it was circumcision. They were enforcing that part of the law, saying, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to have Jesus plus this act of obedience to Moses' law. And what they were doing is they, they became all about the performance. Man, God only accepts me if I perform well. You know, a lot of times for us, when we have that mentality, we think, for God to love me, I've got to earn my keep. I know know that He accepted me by faith when I trusted in Christ, but but if I'm going to stay in this thing, if I'm going to live this Christian life, man, I've got to earn my keep. And so what Paul was telling them is the gospel, he reminded them, hey, the gospel is not about performance. The gospel is about faith. And that's the same for us as well. It's a good reminder for us that the gospel, the way that we're accepted by God, is not by performance, but it's by faith. Let's go to God's Word, Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. And as we read this together, if you would please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Most to me, the the most precious verse in all of the Bible. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us as it is written. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Father, we come before You this morning with nothing except the Gospel. Father, if we had to show you our report card, no matter how good or bad we think that it is, Lord, it's, it's bad. We don't measure up. And Lord, even for those of us who are Christians in here, even as we follow you by faith, Lord, even still we, we mess up so much and we feel so unworthy. Help us, Lord, to see this morning remind us, Lord, that the same way we started this thing is the same way that we walk in it by faith. And Lord, I pray for the person that's in here this morning that has never trusted Christ, has never received the free gift of the gospel. And I pray that this morning that they would see, Lord, that despite how good they think that they are, all that they have is empty rags. And you're not calling them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but to humbly come and receive the gift that you give through Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This passage, these few verses that we just read, have three truths, three very important truths that we need to be reminded of this morning. And the first one is, coming out of verse 10, we are cursed. We are cursed. Why does Paul want to write this to to the church in Galatia? He wanted to write it to them to remind them You think that you're okay by performing. You think that you've got it, but actually, if you're depending on your performance, if you're depending on your works, you're actually going to find that you're not blessed, that you're cursed. You are cursed. Notice what he says. All who rely on works of the law. All who rely on works of the law. That basically means all who depend on keeping the law, all who depend on performance to think that they're going to get in God's favor who think that they're going to get god's smile by performing and he says under a curse under a curse the curse he's talking about there is divine wrath and listen it's not it, it may sound like it's just something out of like a halloween movie but this is very real this is this curse that he's describing here is is very real and it is the promise of god's judgment And we're told all about this throughout Scripture. That judgment is coming against those who are in rebellion against God. And he's simply saying here, that's all of us. That is all of us. So Paul explains why our performance leads to this curse. Notice what he says next. He he quotes uh, Deuteronomy 27. And he said, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. And do them. Earlier in in, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 26, God gives the promise, you know, if you obey me, everything's going to go well. You're going to be blessed. And what we see here is before they go in the land, God through Moses says, But if you don't obey me, here's some curses. And I mean, he lists a whole lot of them, but at the very end is this one. Cursed is everyone who doesn't obey the law, who doesn't do the law. And so notice what he's getting at here is that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we try, the law comes back and it tells us not good enough. No matter how hard and no matter how good we think we are, God's Word, the law, comes back and it says, but it's not good enough. It comes back and says, you're cursed and gone astray. You're cursed and gone astray. When we look at this curse, one theologian, R.C. Sproul, says, this curse should sound like hundreds of nuclear warheads headed right for the U.S., it right for us. When we see this, we should see like this is the infinite wrath of God He's talking about here. It's not just something we should take lightly, but this is like the biggest arsenal coming against us. And not just for a little while, but for eternity. We are cursed. We have gone astray. We don't live up. We don't perform well enough, He's saying. Well, why is that important for us to know this? Maybe another question is, how, how is that relevant to us here today? Listen, we have an enemy who's called the accuser, who's called the father of lies, and he wants desperately to do two things. First of all, if you're not a Christian, he wants to convince you, to lie to you, to make you fall for the deception that you do measure up to God's standard you're not a Christian in the room today, this may be the first time that you've ever heard, like, no, you don't measure up. The enemy is lying, telling people, no, you you measure up. Look, you're going to be good. You don't have to worry about all this religious mumbo-jumbo. You don't have to worry about this Jesus. Do your own thing, and at the end, God's going to see you're a good person. He's going to let you in. But Listen, the other deception that he tells is, is mostly to us if we're Christians. And it's the exact opposite. So when we're not Christians, he he lies to us. He says, you do measure up. And then when we become Christians, when we come to this grace of Christ, when we we realize that it's not by our works, but it's only by His mercy and we trust in the Gospel, then you know what the enemy starts to tell us? He switches his game plan up. He says, you know what? You don't measure up. Before Before we were Christians, he's saying you do measure up. Now that we've become Christians, he says, you don't measure up. He starts to tell us the truth. Isn't that crazy? The father of lies actually tells the truth. Or at least half of it. He tells us that we don't measure up. And so what that does for us, if you're you're in this room this morning and you're a Christian, what it does for us is it makes us feel like we are spiritual failures. Like we're just going to wash up. I mean, God can't love us. God can't accept us. God could never use me but notice if it's based completely on our performance that's actually true that's actually very true if it's based on our performance but praise God it is not praise God that his acceptance of us doesn't depend on our performance it doesn't depend on our works but the Christian life is lived the same way that it began by putting trust in Christ. And listen, church, what that means is that that it's not based on works, our works, it's based on Christ's work. That the foundation of our assurance before God is what Jesus did for us. And remember, Christian, God saved us in spite of us. He didn't save us with our good works. No, He he saved us in spite of us. He saved us even though we were wretched sinners. And so listen to this. Because God accepts us, not based on performance, but accepts us based on our faith in Christ. If you have faith in Christ, if you have received Him this morning, I want you to hear this. That means that God's smile is on you. That means you don't have to earn His love. You don't have to earn His acceptance. You don't have to earn your keep. But His smile is on you. His acceptance is there. His love is there. And that also has huge implications for people that have not received Christ. If you haven't received Christ, if uh, if you're not clinging to Him, you're under the curse that He's describing here. You've missed the mark, that means, of, of God's righteousness you've rebelled against him the bible says and you're going to face his eternal wrath in a place called hell his just wrath god is a just god god gives everyone what they deserve and for us for each and every one of us that is his eternal wrath but listen there is hope and this is the hope that we've just read here that we are under a curse but that God promises a way to escape the curse. God promises a way. And that's the second truth that we see here. If, if performance is not the answer, then what is? What is? Look at the next verse, verse 11. He starts to tell us that God promises us a way out. As the curse is coming down, we need somewhere where we can flee. Notice what he says first. He says that salvation, justification, is by faith. So this changes things. God's saying the way to get in is is not by your performance, it's not by your works, but it's actually by faith. And notice, Paul does not say this is some new idea. Paul actually quotes the Old Testament and says this has been the plan from the beginning. Notice what he says in verse 11 of chapter 3. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. And notice this. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous shall live by faith. Listen. God from the very beginning has been preaching to His people and to the world that it's not by performance, but it's by faith. And in Habakkuk two. God is describing through the prophet Habakkuk the the evil that's around them and how all these people are unrighteous. And then he says, but the righteous are going to live. They're not going to live by keeping the law. They're going to live by faith. Paul in other places actually points even further back than that. Paul goes all the way back to Abraham. In fact, in the context of where we're looking at in Galatians 3, he's talking about Abraham And Abraham is known as the father of the Jews, of course. He's known as, this is the guy where it all started. You look all the way back at Abraham. Was Abraham justified by his performance? No. Genesis 15 tells us that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What does that mean? Listen. It means that from the very beginning... It's always been by faith. There, there's some, this is kind of a, a side, a, you know, a little rabbit trail. There's, there's a lot of teachers out there that teach, well, in the Old Testament, God was doing this, and then when Christ came, all of a sudden God changed, and now He's doing this. They say, well, this was one dispensation of God's grace, and you know, it was by works in the Old Testament, and then when Christ come under the time of Christ, now it's going to be by faith. And I say, that's baloney. God's always been promising the same way through faith. And that's, that's Paul's point to remind us that the way of escape is not by performance, but it's by trusting. It's by faith. Notice he says in verse 12 that faith and performance, law keeping, are completely opposite to each other. Look at verse 12 with me. He says, but the law is not of faith. Rather, this is what he says, the one that does them shall live by them. Leviticus eighteen five. The one who does them, the one who's going to be justified by the law, lives by the law. He's saying these are two opposite things. And why does he tell us that? Because he doesn't want us to have a gospel where we believe God and then we've got to go and try to earn his favor. He's saying these are two opposite things. It is by faith. And listen, the question this morning is faith in what? Because if you think about it, faith in and of itself is nonsense unless you think about the object. What is the faith in? Probably going to get in trouble for this reference, but it's okay. Anybody watch the Harry Potter movies or read the books? In the the very end of uh, the the whole series, in the very end of the whole series, um, an amazing scene happens that I, I took note of. And Harry Potter, for those of you that are unfamiliar, Um, Harry Potter is the one who was going to save the entire world from the evil Lord Voldemort. He was so evil they didn't even speak his name. They said, you know who? In this final climactic scene, when it appears that the hero, Harry Potter, has been killed by the enemy, Voldemort comes rolling up to all the people and he says this, Harry Potter is dead. From this day forth, you put your faith in Me. The object of the faith is everything. And that's what is happening there. He's saying, don't put your faith in the hero. Put your faith in Me. Put your hope. Put your trust in Me. So the question for us this morning is, what is our hope, what is our faith supposed to be in? And that brings us to the best part of this passage, y'all. Verse 13. That Christ became a curse for us. Christ became the curse for us. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us. That word redeemed uh, means to purchase or to buy back. Used a lot of time when it came to, to slaves. You know, When a master would buy back a slave and set them free. He's telling us that Christ rescued us. Listen, how are we going to escape the curse? How are we going to escape? We're going to escape it by the rescue that Jesus brings. How does he rescue us? Rescued from what? Notice he said Christ rescues us. He redeems us from the curse of the law. He rescues us from this idea of performance-driven religion. He rescues us from bringing that bad report card that is going to condemn us to hell. And how does He do it? Y'all don't miss this. He does it, verse 13 says, by becoming a curse for us. Earlier, we looked in in the law how it said that cursed is everyone who doesn't abide by the book of the law. And now Paul zooms in on another curse that was given. And this is the curse that Paul refers to in Deuteronomy 21. And it says this If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he's put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. Listen to this because a hanged man is cursed by god you shall not defile the land your lord the lord your god is giving you for an inheritance jesus rescues us he delivers us from the curse by himself becoming a curse for us Jesus came under the curse of God listen not because of what he had done wrong he was innocent he was blameless he came under the curse for what you and I have done wrong it's the greatest news in the world that God delivers people from his wrath by putting his wrath on his innocent son Jesus In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes it a different way. He says, God made Him who had no sin. That's talking about Jesus. To be sin for us. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. Basically, Christ takes our report card. as bad as it is and he gives us his report card to go home with he takes the penalty he takes the wrath of God that we deserve for us on our behalf and we get his righteousness We get to go home with his report card. We get to go home, if we're in Christ, with God looking at us as if we were as righteous as he is. And and here's the great part. This is the part that really resonates with me. When God looks at me now in Jesus, God does not see a failure. Even though I am a failure. Even though I am a sinner. You know what God sees? He sees a son. Because Jesus is God's son, that means for everyone who's in Jesus, they're his sons and daughters as well. We get his report card, he takes the penalty of ours. Listen, that means that if Christ has redeemed us from this curse, if we're in him, we can be confident. That despite our failure, God accepts us and loves us. So don't trust in your performance. What I'm calling you to this morning, the thing that Paul is calling the Galatians to, is very simply, if you're in Christ, to rest in what He has done for you. Don't try to earn His love. That's actually, even though it seems innocent enough, that's actually opposite of the gospel. We see here that we are cursed. We can't trust in our performance. God promises an escape from the curse, not by works, but by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what Christ has done on our behalf, bearing the curse for us. So that means this morning, if you're not a Christian, this is what we hold out to you. We don't hold out to you. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Put on your best Sunday clothes and come into a place where we're all having a fake facade. What Jesus is calling you to is to come in your filthy rags. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that even our best is like filthy rags. If you're not a Christian here this morning, realize that. Realize that the very best you can do is nothing. But also realize that He will have you just as you are. Why? Because of what Jesus did for you. It doesn't apply to you automatically. I wish it did. What you need to do is you need to receive that. And this morning for you, that would look like you surrendering your entire life and coming and saying, clinging to Jesus. Receiving Him, trusting Him, admitting that you're a sinner, confessing that to Him, and asking Him to save you, and surrendering the rest of your life to Him. If you're here this morning and you're already a Christian, you've already received the gift, you're already walking with Jesus, you're already following Him, what we need to do in response to this is to worship and be grateful because our King has conquered our greatest enemy. We have great reason to worship this morning. Our hearts should be filled with gratitude and thanks. And also that means for us that we should stop trusting in our performance. Some of you need to hear that this morning. There's some of you here in here this morning, you feel like a failure before God and I'm here to tell you that if you're in Christ, you're a dearly loved son or daughter. Stop trusting in your performance and start clinging, just like you started, to Jesus. Because listen, my Bible tells me that He will not forsake us because of our weakness. On days when Matt Warren doesn't have it together, on the very worst days, He will never leave me in my weakness. (laughs) I love the old song, that Augustus Toplady wrote, "Of course, many of us probably don't even we don't sing it often. It's written way back in the 1700s, but I think communicates very clear in his song, "Rock of Ages: "Not the labor of my hand can fulfill thy law's demand. Could my zeal, no respite, no? Could my tears forever flow. All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress. Helpless I look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or Father in heaven, we come with those words on our lips. We come before you not not with our works, not with our righteousness, because Lord, we don't have any. Lord, we come this morning moved by the cross. Lord, knowing full well with the firm conviction that although we deserved hell because and only because of the cross, because of our substitute, we can now say that we are yours. That we can say that we have gone from death to life. That we have gone from being under the curse to under your blessing. That we can go from wrath to becoming a dearly loved child. Lord, I pray that you would tear down the strongholds of the enemy in this place, that you would tear down the lies that he's telling people. Lord, that You would tear down the notion that we are good enough. And Lord, when He comes and convicts us and He shows us all the ways we fail, Lord, I pray that You would show us that He's right. But the one thing that He's forgotten to tell us is that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, let the Gospel move us this morning. Let the good news of Jesus cause us to worship. And it's in His name that we pray and give thanks.